Chris, Geoff, Lawrence, all the boys from down at the Strong Style Story. Here's a big old motherfucking thank you for signing up. Thank you for being number one hoots. And I don't know what the fuck other bullshit you want me to say to promote your shit, but I love your motherfucking shit. And that is a shoot hoot. to episode 72 of the Strong Style Story Podcast here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I am your host, Selector Jeffrey Wessel. You can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. The blog is at strongstylestory.tumblr.com. With me today, co-host, co-producer, co-founder, Chris Damasceno. Chris, how are you, man? Oh, man. It's been quite a long tour with enough news to where this reminds me of just from a history reading standpoint as you've told me a couple of times over the last week uh the early 2000s were seemingly everything was changing by the fucking minute when it comes to the pro wrestling business as a whole and especially within uh japan and other things that we will get into later on in the discussion but i would... we've got a huge sword that just happened yes so... we, we we do uh yeah i, I just want to say that yeah i i remember the year 2000 like it was yesterday because I, I remember when I was you know still doing reporting for lordsofpain.net and refreshing Zach Arnold and and, and, and Dave Meltzer and, and and all the Japanese promotions websites like hourly to see what the hell had changed you know <laughs> and I, I, I it's, it's not quite to that level but it's getting to that level and we're going to talk about that in in great detail. Uh, as we go on, but as Chris pointed out, yes, we just finished the New Beginning Tour, and uh, there was quite a lot of the New Beginning Tour. Uh, before we begin, uh, this will factor into discussions of the Castle Attack Tour that we're going to talk about, but uh, I just want to give uh, this uh, podcast our thoughts to those affected by the earthquake in Fukushima yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, and it was you know seven point three magnitude earthquake in Fukushima. It was it was felt in Iwate and Yamagata as as far north in into Hokkaido as well. Um, that being said, the fact that as as far as I am aware, there still is no tsunami alert. So that's that that that's good. Because the last thing we need is a repeat of twenty eleven. Yeah, exactly. We don't need the situations that we've had over the past couple of years. Tohoku alone is something that we still remember really well here yes. in this podcast. So it's just uh, the the more that we can avoid natural disasters on top of everything that we've had over the course of early 2020 into now, 
the better at this point. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, our, our, our thoughts and hopes with, uh, with, with those affected by the, by the earthquake and hope, uh, you know, everybody's as okay as they can be, and hopefully there's not too much uh, wreckage to, to, to pick up, uh, you know, in, in, in either property-wise or, or, or life-wise, you know. And uh, 7.3, that seems pretty big. You know, I, I'm not an earthquake expert, mm-hmm. but 7 point, anything above, like, 6.5, you're like, oh, shit, you know. In, in general, earthquakes as a whole just, like, scare me quite a bit and i never been in one myself and ideally sorry i would love to just not be in one so it just makes me terrified for like the people who live under those conditions and can just suddenly be like a part of one like all together as a whole so yeah, it's just I, I, yeah i've never been in one either and yeah hopefully i'll keep it that way i mean i'm in the midwest um you know generally midwest doesn't generally get quakes although thanks to fracking that you know Maybe could change, unfortunately. Yes. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, with, with that being said, uh, moving on to the the new beginning and the road to new beginning tour that that just took place. Uh, overall, Chris, what did you think about what we were uh, what we were given on this tour? It was a really interesting tour in terms of. The things that we got, the title matches that did happen during it as well, we had a very nice twist near the end of January leading into February there where for a while after uh, January 5th, we didn't know what was going to happen with Jay White. He sort of disappeared entirely from promotional stuff, from the cards. Uh, They waited until a certain Rumble event happened somewhere within the uh, southeastern coast of the United States to then (laughs) suddenly just pop back up like nothing happened and act like the usual little shit that he is. So that was a good little surprise there to see that happen. We also, during the process of it, uh, saw a very surprising set of matches that absolutely banged between the United Empire faction and Tenkoji. happening there uh we sort of detailed this on the last episode uh where new year's dash was not a good night for kojima and tenzan in any way shape or form but they came back firing all cylinders in this tour and two very good matches happened in the process including one with some long-term ramifications where uh as of the aftermath of his match with the great okan uh Hiroshi Tenzan, due to being the loser of that match, can no longer use his patented Mongolian shop. You know, I I have to say that I, I, if you would have told me that Tenkoji versus Osprey and Okan was going to be like one of the highlights of this tour, I I would have told you you were nuts. But the fact of the matter is, is that it was by far one of the highlights of this tour. The the, the build was so good. Yeah, it, the it build was, was very it, good. It, it was so good. They 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 brought the exact amount of hate to mm-hmm. it. You know, it just I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I could not believe how good it was. But yet here we are. It was it was fantastic. And they brought yeah they brought the right intensity to it with the way that Koji intends on just at one point during those build-up tags decided yeah fuck the rules at this point and just started beating the crap out of the united empire guys with just about anything that they could find. oh yeah i mean that i mean we, we had more dq finishes in 
this tour than we have usually have in a year's worth of New Japan. And but, for once, it didn't involve Bullet Club too. That's the other right. part of that. And, but so. you know what? But God damn it, it worked. It it mm-hmm. worked so well, and you know, it, yeah. I mean, we could be fans about this and say that, oh my God, how dare they take, you know, one of Tenzon? You know, he, he's a former IWGP champion. He's a former G1 Climax winner. How dare you take away? You know, one of his signature moves. Uh, he's also in the really is in the back nine of his career. Yeah, and not to mention the fact that this just again uh, proves mine and Jeff's poll points that they have big things built for Great Ocon down the line, and this is just one not being atched, uh, added onto his belt for whatever he's going to be doing over these next couple of years. And it's great; he's gonna have heat for the rest of his career for being the guy who now is, you know, the guy who took away Tenzin's Mongolian chop yeah, I mean, yeah, as I mean, a career. Yeah, I mean, just the, the, the massive, massive heat that Okan was able to generate from this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is beautiful. I mean, you know what? We know that Jay White came good eventually, but Jay White would have loved to have had this, this sort of intro. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because yeah. we we all, because we all cringed after that Wrestle Kingdom match with with Jay and Tanahashi. We all cr- it, it were like, oh yeah, no! It was, <laughs> you know? it was one of it was one of those things where we were expecting something and we didn't get quite what we expected. So we were thinking to ourselves, oh boy, they're already on the back foot. Thankfully, they redeemed that with him within a couple months by him beating Kenny Omega and just being like a marmy little rat yeah about it. and then and, yeah and then that and then that you know and then the 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 match at the cow palace that ended it that ended up having a shoot from josh barnett the, the ascension to being the biggest shit stirrer in this entire company god bless I mean, that, god bless i mean yeah i mean no he he definitely re- re- redeemed himself but god Ocon now has you know he has he now has this uh he, he now has like a he, he has a trophy he he claimed a move he claimed mm-hmm. somebody's it, signature move he claimed a four-time IWGP champion three-time G1 climax winners a, a, one of his yeah. signatures and the other thing with that too is that I do think that they learned from some of the early mishaps with what they did with Jay White and they've made sure that they're not making the same mistakes with Ocon, which is a good thing for mostly anybody that's coming back from Excursion. I know a lot of people are still not very sold on Master Wato, but I do think with him it's going to be more of a marathon than a sprint yeah, in terms well, of well, we, him. Well, we, we could talk about that uh, <laughs> here. We're definitely going to need to talk about that here in a, in a few minutes. You know, that again, I think that the one thing I pointed out is that the best part is, is that Ocon isn't directly lifting the Mongolian chop from Tenzon either because he does it completely differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, Tenzon always did the shh. Yeah, know, and Ocon standing, just literally Ocon like leaps and, sc- out of it. and, and, and yeah. screams. You know, he, he jumps and screams while he does it, you know? And that's something that he's been doing since the excursion and the character got introduced during it as well, too. So it's not like it's just suddenly been a thing he adopted the moment that he got back and, from... And- the excursion side, so... And, and also, how rare is it that someone actually gets to keep their excursion gimmick when yeah. they come back? Okay, Very much so. I, I, gave, I mean, not even Hiromu. Hiromu kind of, sort of... I mean, he'll refer back to, to Kami Itachi, 
sometimes, but you know, with like you know masks or whatnot. But it's yeah, it's part of his history. But he's going by his name and his real identity at that yeah, point, and, and, and just I mean, being an elevated version of himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the way that Hiromu acts is no in no way like Kami Itachi did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and say that I think the only other one that really ever held on to, you know, his excursion gimmick was Keiji Muto and Great Muda. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll 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 be talking more about him coming up yeah, later, later in the program. But I mean, that's just one small thing out of the New Beginning tours. Eventually, we do get into the big shows, which are the New Beginning shows after the Road to uh, stuff kind of established. A lot of these things you have. Uh, Situations where these singles matches happened but with the new beginning in Nagoya that we just covered. You have also the main event on that same night where Tenzan Nokan and Kojima and Osprey happened, which was Shingo Takagi defending the Never Open Way title against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And his first ever challenge for the for the Never Open Way title, because for most of Tanahashi's for most of the belt's existence, Tanahashi was that belt was beneath Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. It was a joke belt as far as he was concerned. You know, it was for, for other people, not him. And now, mm-hmm. well, I mean, now the, 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 the tides of time have, have flowed. And, well, he, he now has this belt, and he, he beat Shingo for it. The match banged. An absolute classic. Again, uh, Jeff, uh, we joked about this during the post-Wrestle Kingdom show alongside Dave and Lee Malone of uh, Days of Thunder as well, that just already off of that match at the Dome with Jeff Cobb, that Shingle was already making his case to be like your three years in a row wrestler of the year here on this podcast. This just helped the case even further at I this mean, point. Like every Shingle Takagi has not missed during his uh, New Japan stint in terms of match quality. No, he has You can not. put him against anybody and he has delivered every time. It's yeah, insane. Win, win or lose, yeah. he delivers. But I, I, I do want to take put special attention onto a couple of other things that happened on this tour too. Yeah, of course. For, for instance, the fact that in in the go home Cork and Hall shows for both New Beginning in Nagoya and the two nights of New Beginning of Hiroshima, we had time limit draw tag matches mm-hmm. in the main events. Uh yeah. It, it, it's interesting is that there was a lot of focus on on how people were feeling because that that promo between Tanahashi and Shingo in the ring where where Tanahashi literally says he's basically declaring his love for, for Shingo and she goes like man get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's like yeah you, you just just bring, bring it in the ring uh, uh in 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 Aichi, you know. Yeah, Shingo doesn't do Shingo doesn't do love. He just knows violence. Yeah, exactly. Which is probably why he he's no longer in Dragon Gate because you know Dragon. This is really is a Dragon Gate trope. People yeah. sit in the ring cutting promos talking about their feelings. It, it really is a Dragon Gate trope. Shingo just has war flashbacks and just goes, nope, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, we are not doing that shit. No, it was all good, but you know that tribe vanguard bullshit. Nah. Shingo wasn't having it. Yeah. Another quick note that we should add before we get into the Hiroshima (laughs) side of the shows, and because it is a it did happen in a row two as well, we did get new junior heavyweight tag team champions when Taiji Shimori and El Fantasmo defeat Kanemaru and El Desperado after a loaded boot super kick from Fantasmo to Kanemaru got that done in about twenty three minutes or so, which was 
you know, for a junior tag match, it was decent. They had their parts into it. It's just, this is a setup for eventually something we'll touch on as this tour ended. Well, can, can so. we, yeah, well, let's dovetail that into Hiroshima, too, because something else I wanted to, to, to bring up here. Well, I mean, so we had a, the other time limit draw. Mm-hmm. Had, had people in their feelings, and it was you know, you know the 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 saga of Sonata and Kota Ibushi and Hiromu Takahashi and Show, and that was a whole that was a whole soap opera. Mm-hmm. That was a it whole was, ass soap. Opera. Especially if you were uh, paying real attention to it and going through the backstage comments as well, where every time Hiromu and Show seemingly were exchanging words backstage, uh, Kota Ibushi did his uh, best. How do you do, fellow kids? Impression sitting alongside him, <laughs> just making the entire situation even more awkward than it what it already was at the time. Yeah. So now it's a thing to note there for I, sure. Ironically, this this was something that we, we, we talked about. We were going to write an article, and we never did. Yeah, uh, I want a wish list for for New Japan, and unfortunately, part of the reason why we didn't uh, write this article is because a lot of that wish list hinged on whether or not Minoru Suzuki was going to be leaving New Japan as rumored. And so mm-hmm. far, the answer so, so far the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But sure. with that, with that being said, um, one of the things we had talked about was kind of a a, a handsome himbo unit with Kota Ibushi. Uh, Sonata leaving Los Ingobernables and Show and Yo leaving Chaos to form this this unit. We 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 provisionally call it what Olympus, I think. Olympus, yeah, just because of the fact that Kodabushi ascending to godhood and you know Zeus, king of Olympus, you know top of the top of Greek gods, fucks anything that moves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like he has strong Kodabushi energy to a certain extent. <laughs> Well, that that's the most interesting uh, interpretation of Greek myth I've ever heard, Chris. <laughs> that, 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 I try to deliver <laughs> once every tour in these podcasts, and this is my contribution to it this time around. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, goddamn, if that did not feel like it was actually going to happen. Definitely a lot of teasing regarding it, for sure, and... Between uh, Kodobushi and Sonata, who did challenge him after the dome dates happened, uh, a lot of respect between these two. Eventually, it did culminate into a big main event here in the beginning in Hiroshima, one of the dates. But before that, a couple of other notes to cover as well, too. Uh, During this entire tour, uh, on the tag team side of defense, uh, the saga of Get the Iron Finger from Hell back for Taiichi has been a constant note with uh, Gorillas of Destiny, the current tag team champions, uh, heavyweight tag team champions, I should say, really just teasing the fuck out of him in the process with all sorts of different props and craziness. And then the eventual big match happens in the first night of New Beginning Hiroshima with uh, a rare... A somewhat rare DQ finish, not too rare for Bullet Club, but more so rare due to the fact that it came from Tai Chi finally getting the Iron Finger from Hell back and just hitting anything and everything that moved in his path due to it. Almost, uh, I know English commentary was very much uh, adamant on this whole, the spirit of Takashi Izuka is 
somewhere in that iron finger and it possesses people to do terrible things okay but... you know what? this is where i want to steal something from our our, our, our old compatriot on this network uh, peter winson of uh, mm-hmm. of of greetings from Valentine. I, I wish we had the the tony soprano he's not fucking dead <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Just like, he's alive. He's just retired. Like, he's not fucking down, dead. Everybody. <laughs> just, it's just Taichi was pissed off for most of the story. He just kind of let it all out. Unfortunately, it cost him the titles, but <laughs> I, I'll be quite God, happens sometimes. I'll, I'll be goddamned if they, they were not teasing dangerous techers as, as being baby faces in, in in during this whole saga against the gorillas of destiny yeah pretty much oh, uh, god damn they, def- they definitely had a lot of the tropes there for sure during the course of this tour so uh it'll be interesting to see what the future does hold for them but i do want to get into the junior heavyweight title match that happened in this tour which was show challenging hiromu takahashi for uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Oh, my A 35-minute classic between these two. Uh, show once again proving he's one of the best, one of the most underrated guys that I think they have on the roster right now. And kind of a guy that can do, much like Shingo, he can do pretty much anything on the open weight side. Junior stuff, heavyweight stuff, you name it, he can deliver on it. And Hiromu, uh, doing Hiromu things. You'd love to see it. I, Just, it was I, a very fun match. I absolutely loved that match. That match, it, it, it was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous <laughs> for a wrestling match. It, yep, and then the end of it does set up uh, Fantasmo as the challenger for the junior heavyweight title, which, boo, for the two of us personally. But yeah. it does set up a Los Dos Peligrosos challenge for the tag belts uh, against uh, Fantasmo and Ishimori. And... I don't know, man. Like, I know it could just be a setup for, hey, the uh, Bullet Club team retains the tag titles, but Hiromu retains the heavyweight title process. But I could see Hiromu being a two-belts guy and dominating that junior division for a while the same way Prince Devitt did a couple of years back. Well, let's let's not make light of the fact that Hiromu has headlined a major show. Yes, exactly. Again. This is all like it's stage rehearsals for him to do something big down the line. And something tells me that the next sort of like, uh, as I mentioned, stage rehearsal that he's going to have at that level is probably going to be the anniversary show at this rate. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi is someone that New Japan has very big plans for. If they're putting him in these spots Mm -hmm. In, in such a way that, as you said, you know, Prince Devitt or, or, you know, dare I, dare I invoke the legend Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. yeah that, Those that, are that, feasible comparisons. The, the way that they are, are, are pushing him. I mean, yeah. Why can't Hiromu be, have two titles? Why, why can't he? I mean, he is the, he is the junior ace now. Let's, let's not make any ifs, ands, or buts about that. When Kushida left, that that spot was Hiromu's, and he 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 has grasped onto it, mm-hmm. you know, in in, in in such a way, you know, it's uh, it, it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it's very rare for somebody, especially like Hiromu, coming back from the kind of injury that he had, to come back and really just outdo the stuff that he was already doing beforehand, as well, and just. 
something has clicked, and I think he's figured out like specifically what he has to do moving forward, and it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, the next couple of years of his journey, wherever it does end up taking him. And, so, and, and, and not only that, but he also went back to a previous gimmick during this tour as being the guy who cares about, you know, uh, you know, skincare and and, and, and and hydration. Did you see the 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 show? You know, the the match opening where Hiromu is spraying something on Naito's cheeks. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. it, it's 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 moisturizer of some kind. I, I think, it's like I a mean, callback to the to the to the lip balm spot. Yeah, there. I mean, he's landing the commercial. If he's landing the commercials, and he's got to show the merch. Hey, Toriyano has made a living off merch shilling on top of all the stuff he does yeah, in New yeah. Japan. So, yeah, God bless. Get, get your bag. It's, that's what I say on the matter. Yeah, he has. Uh... So, uh, some other notes just because we need to cover those because it's been part of the tour. Okada and Evil have been going at it for a while. A couple of DQs here and there between them. It's clear the tensions are leading up to a big singles match probably at Castle Attack. From the looks of it, so yep, uh, yeah, on night one. But we'll we'll talk about Castle Attack here coming up too. Yeah, you had the uh, never open weight six man tag titles being defended as well with Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi defending against Jay White and the Girls of Destiny, which will lead into a heavyweight tag match that's also going to be a Castle Attack when we cover that. And then you also had kind of the big thing that some people had certain takes on in the aftermath, which was the. Double title defense of Kota Bushi. Oh, sorry. Go right, ahead. Well, well, hold on. Let, let, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. So, of course, Jay White does return, and his big feud when he returns is against Ishii because so far he's never beaten Ishii. Yeah, this is true. In singles, and, he's not beaten him yet. So that's why, you know, that's why Jay was involved with the comedy titles match. Um, that will also be a special singles match on Castle Attack. However, can we also briefly talk this soft push that Yoshihashi is getting now. I was trying to avoid that, Jeff. Thank but you. I, I think, but <laughs> I know it, it's, I think important. we need, but that. we need to talk about that. it. I mean, okay. Has he finally paid his dues? And now he's again, a little soft push, you know, as not, not in singles, but in tag matches, you know, and, in, in six man tags. I mean, it is something. It is something, they're finally doing something slightly different with chaos by having him be a little bit more on the forefront. Be it getting the kind of beatings that he has to like get Goto and Ishii involved enough to where they're getting fined in Goto's case, for example, for yeah, I guess breaking protocols or what what have you, going from commentary to beat up Bullet Club guys. Uh, it, it is definitely. You definitely have seen the past few months with the company taking a bit more stock and guess letting Yoshihashi be more than just the fall guy for chaos. So it'll it's something to be on the lookout for in 2021 if you are a Yoshihashi fan to see if finally they give him something more than just being the fall guy for his stable. I mean, you know what? I mean, yeah, we we make fun of him and all the time on this show and rightly so. But you know what? At the same time, I mean, you know, he he he's been a. a he he he's been there. He hasn't tried to jump ship or nothing. He he's 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 done what exactly what's been asked of him. Hasn't really you know tried to to go above his station, quote unquote, I guess. And now he's he's getting rewarded. So fine. I mean, no, noble Yoshihashi. Yeah, get that bag, as, as you said. You know. Fair, fair. But you know, uh, but yeah. Also, 
Yeah, I, I just want to, to take this time to also mock everybody who thought I was insane for Jay White sticking with New Japan. Like, dude, yeah. he, 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 he just headlined the fucking Tokyo Dome. You think he's going to just walk after that? Come on, man. You know? It's not it's not the same as the Kenny Omega situation is the best way of putting it. Like the company has been nothing but good to Jay White as like giving him his first big platform to really spring himself into the world stage into basically a much wider kind of audience in some ways than what any other major North American company would have given him I mean, he, at this point. He's so. a dojo and, and he's a dojo guy. Yeah, there's he's also a, that. He's, he's a dojo guy. Uh, I mean, he was literally recruited by 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 Fale and, and 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 Prince Devitt. You know, I mean, yeah, okay. So Prince Devitt left town not long after that, but you know, maybe he knew that he was in good hands. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like De- Devitt himself felt like a situation where he knew he was like a foreigner, just making his mark in Japan and paying his dues. But you. To me, there was always this feeling that he wanted to do, eventually go to WWE and prove his medal there. And that's fine if that's your career aspiration there. But I do feel that Jay White specifically, he it, with him being a dojo guy, that he wants to probably make his name in New Japan first before any consideration of I anything mean, else at any point. Well, I mean, where could he go that would give him the heat that he gets in New Japan now? I mean, you, you were there at Madison Square Garden. He got booed out. I mean... The crowd fucking great. hated him. It was it, it was it was means, wonderful. Which means he did his fucking job. Mm-hmm. Like it was wonderful. And he was a wonderful foil to Okada during that particular main event too. So just yeah, had a blast with that. You know, my, Good my, times. my biggest memory, of course, is just how salty Dion got. But hey, <laughs> that was it. Be what it be. It be what it be. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> hey Dion, how you doing, man? It's been it's been ages. It's been too long, guys. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about. The, the the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental match. The match itself was 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 good. It was it was really really good. They um, had a couple of weird things like just let's not ever try like an apron to the outside TKO ever again. No matter how crazy Kodobushi is, and Sonata, I just think should have stopped them right there and gone. Let's just do it maybe on the apron itself and call it a day because. The bump looked really awkward. Uh, outside of that, though, I did enjoy the match as well. Not in the uh, truckload of like two percent of internet people who use their Twitter voices way too much to talk about how bad everything is. Right. Side of the fence. So, uh, you know, those people can suck it. Uh, there, I'll say it right off the bat. I mean, if you, yeah. Feel free to name names, too, if you want. Oh, no. I, it's one of the circumstances where, like, giving them that level further of a platform is not deserved at yeah. this point. Well, you, you can know, search for those opinions yourself if you well, feel you know, like it. Th- th- there is a real disconnect between what, 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 what the fans on the Internet think and what is actually happening on the screen. Because th- this came up earlier in the tour, too. Because yeah, we we all know that Sonata gets shit on, and he's not my favorite guy, and I think he he's a lot of unused potential. But he feels same... very much he feels very much in a way kind of like what Muta was in the two thousands, where you knew he was going like half speed, like ninety nine percent of the time, and then the one percent where he actually goes all out. You're like, okay, why not do more of that 
maybe well, that, kind of thing. Well, that would. Uh, well, I know you're not talking about his 2001, but you know, yeah. I, I mean, I said the 2000s specifically. I okay. meant like the decade overall, not right. like one specific. Like, year. Like, to like, be pers- like post, to be exact. Like, to be exact. Like post all Japan owner. Yeah. Chip. Okay. Russell. Let's call it Russell One Muto. There we go. Okay. Well, that was more 2013. But... <laughs> No, I'm talking about like, oh well, okay. I forgot that the, he did call the, those sh- those disastrous shows with Russell too. I forgot about that. But anyway, no. Um, but I mean, also, I mean, Dave Meltzer wasted breath and energy saying that that the crowd, you know, that uh, that Ocon has no charisma. It's like, what the fuck are you watching, dude? AEW. That's what he's watching. Yeah, that. that, that, that yeah. Their end of story. Yeah, the, the the crowd hates Ocon, which means Ocon's doing his job, you know? Mm-hmm. You know I, he, I think he, it's just very weird. People are in this mentality that everybody in Japan sort of has to, like, clap for everybody respectfully and that you can't get hate, heat, I guess, if you do dastardly things. Even I mean, in I, the I, pandemic. I, mean I, I, guess if, I guess if they were able to boo, it might be a, a little more... Visible, visible yes. Visible, but... At the same time, like, come on, man, just... Let's take the current circumstances of the world and don't try to like spin it into your own like bullshit narrative just to get clicks. Because I get that that's the business that you're in on at this point, but just settle down, Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Whether you like want to admit it or not, Sonata is over with the crowd. Okan is over with the crowd. I mean, even Goto and Yoshihashi are over with the crowd, whether you like them or not. Pretty much. So it's just a circumstance where... We have to accept it. I think you should too, you know? (laughs) And it's also the reality of the fact that I know I have, like, my opinions on certain wrestlers in New Japan and how I feel about certain things, but at the same time, I also have the self-awareness to realize that I am not the core audience that New Japan appeals to. Right. That audience is on the other side of the... the, It's on a completely different hemisphere across, like, an ocean... Right. Like that, so. Well, but I mean, you know what? The the thing that is that's good about this, about the NJPW streaming service is that now we are also paying customers, whereas yeah. before we let's face it, we weren't. We were we were illegally tape trading. True. You know, or paying way too much via UStream if you remember those days. Oh yeah, but I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, we we are part of the paying customers now, but even so. The product is not for. I mean, it, it has a worldwide appeal. They marketed it worldwide, but at the at the end of the day, the shows still happen in Cork and Hall. They happen in in you know in Iwate. They happen in, in Sendai. You know, they don't happen in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. They don't happen in Denver, Colorado. They you know, it's one of those circumstances where at the end of the day, if you don't like the direction that the company is going, or if you don't like certain wrestlers within that company. Yeah, that's fair, but rather than just wasting your own energy talking about, like, oh, my opinion's important enough to shit on these guys on the internet, find something else to watch that you like. It, especially in the current uh, current day in the scene that we have and the different variations of streaming services and stuff, just find stuff that makes you happy, man. Like, during a pandemic, especially, like, sure, you can be critical, but criticism... And just being a shitbag about it, those are two completely different things. Well, criticism usually comes with, you know, 
you know, proof of, of your assertion. So I, I would like to see the proof of the assertion that Sonata and and uh, and Ocon are not over and just uh, and just not good. I, I would really like to see. Yeah, it's show your work, everybody. But anyway, please. <laughs> uh, so with that being said, uh, you know, Coda, Coda and, and Sonata had a, a little they, they kind of hugged it out afterwards. And once again, the Hembo unit, I, I'm telling the you, you unit. If, if that does not happen, I will. You know what? It, it, it's a bad move, especially with, with a lot of the other changes that have gone on. I mean, I mean, it took them how long to get another new unit in with the, the Empire, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and now but post match Tetsuya Naito comes along and makes a, a makes a challenge to Ibushi but only for one title. And it's not the one you would think. Yeah. It's a really interesting take for a lot of people they think that this is just a new japan book themselves into a corner here and you know naito's looking stupid because of this and blah blah blah. just like okay i get that naito's history with the belt has been very tsundere-esque but that's part of the (laughs) but that's part of the whole thing it's a tsundere kind of relationship between him and the ic title yeah you're just seeing the other side of it now yeah the the history of naito and the Intercontinental title could best be described as complicated. <laughs> yeah, and, and here's the thing: like, this is on New Japan to a certain extent for not making, uh, for staying kind of in the in between rather than making a decision of whether they were unifying the titles or having the titles being defended separately at the time in which Naito initially won them in 2020. So part of this part of this whole debacle is on it's a mea culpa on mute Japan side. I completely understand that. But at the same time, Tetsuya Naito is known for being a lot of things, and I think petty is a very good adjective to describe him. <laughs> uh, he doesn't want these titles unified. If you remember him from press conferences dating back to last year, he said it outright, I want to defend these two titles separately. Yeah, he does not want to do what Kota Ibushi wants to do, which is unify the titles. So, him challenging for one of the belts, and even though it's not the belt that you'd expect, the white belt is the one that you could argue is the most synonymous with Tetsuya Naito at this point since the days of Shinsuke Nakamura. So, for Naito to go and try to fight for this belt, and if he ends up winning it, kind of making it. His belt, not Nakamura's white belt anymore. That's I, 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 I think we've gone way beyond the, the Nakamura at this point. I mean, I, not, I, yeah, this I, really and is I do agree with that. Yeah, And I do agree with that. And I do think this would just cement it even further as the white belt is synonymous with Tetsuya Naito now, not Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. And, you know, again, he had his epic IWGP run. I mean, he ha- he held it for a year. Now, yeah. mind you, the, the the pandemic, you know, did interrupt it somewhat. That doesn't change it. It's still in the record books, it's this amount of days, and it still is the first guy to hold both titles at the same time. So, like, regardless of the circumstances, that's a set of accomplishments that can't be taken away from Tatsuya Naito at this point. Yeah, so. no, yeah, totally. So, so that will be also be part of uh, the castle attack. Um, but. <laughs> We're not done yet because a, a whole shipload of other news dropped in the middle of this tour. Like, 
for example, did you know that New Japan Pro Wrestling is back on American TV? Yes, the Roku channel, ladies and gentlemen. Roku channel. Across America, Canada, and the UK, to be specific. A one-hour show, World Pro Wrestling, back on. It, it, it is World Pro Wrestling. It, it, it is World Pro Wrestling. I actually did get... Did you get to watch the episode? I didn't get the chance to yet, but I'm planning I, on, like, hunting it down and go through, like, the catalog and just sort of, like, binge it within the next few weeks. I, I did get to watch the episode on Friday night. Um, so, yeah, it it is... They, they are marketing it as World Pro Wrestling. So, as in, you know, the, the TV Asahi weekly program. Yeah, the feed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, it's the English feed from Wrestle King. Uh, they're concentrating on Wrestle Kingdom 14 mm-hmm. for right now. For, uh, the, the debut episode was Jay White versus Tetsuya Naido for the Intercontinental title. Um, yeah. it was from the English feed of Wrestle Kingdom 14. So the commentary was Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, Chris Charlton, and Gino Gambino. That's fine. Yeah. Um, they, instead of getting the introduction of you know the the way it used to be you know it, it, you know it when it was translated from the early days of of access where they say you know it was an introduction with the wrestlers you know world pro wrestling returns you know but yeah. they they did not show that instead they did have Kevin Kelly giving a recap of what happened to lead up to this match which is okay fine you know i i i can see that you know um but it does have the TV Asahi branding on the ending credits too. Um, the otherwise, this show is useless because Roku is known more as a streaming platform. Why not get NG, the NJPW World app on Roku? A part of me does wonder if this is part of the idea is there for them to do something like that later on this year once they figure out the logistics of it uh, and the partnership being a part of that. But as of right now, yeah, I get what you mean by that. It seems like a very lateral move more than anything. It, it, it does. And the fact is that now after access took great pains to get caught up on, on what was current in new Japan, the, the, the American TV is now a year, year and change behind again. If they're concentrating, if they're going right into Russell kingdom 14. Now, do they want to sell this because, you know, it it, it it explains a lot of current New Japan. Maybe it, do they want to show these episodes because they want to show, hey, what this is what New Japan, how big New Japan was before the pandemic, possibly. Yeah. Because I mean, this was you know their their record selling out show in 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 over a decade. True. Mm-hmm. So I mean, maybe there's that, but it just seems like I mean, you know it, when you have. The NJPW World app, do you need a weekly TV show is the real question. I think it's definitely more a way of just because with the Roku channel being its own little streaming service there, it's a way of kind of getting some new audiences who may be looking for something to binge off of that service, just stumbling into New Japan and sort of finding out about the program that way and getting a quick education on what it is, what they're looking at, showing the match, and leaving it at that. So a way of reaching certain audiences on that extent. But I do think that down the line, it would be nice if New Japan can leverage that into, hey, let's put the New Japan world 
stuff into Roku outright, into the Roku device outright, so people can access it that way for current content on top of what's on the Roku channel. Like, ideally, I would think that would be the business move to make, but it's very much a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean... NJPW World is on the fire stick. Uh, the the UI of that app fucking sucks. <laughs> I can't stand it uh, for for multiple reasons. Number one, it constantly logs me out, which no other app does on the fire stick. And number two, if you pause it, if you pause it and it goes to the screensaver, you're screwed. You you get to restart the whole program again or whatever, you know, whatever you were watching. Yeah, I think it's just the logistics where I think for Japan streaming, uh, at least off the top of my head, and I, if I'm wrong on this, just feel free to correct us either at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter or at Brazilian Fury, Brazilian with an S instead of a Z all over on Twitter. But it just doesn't feel to me that Japan is very big in the streaming stuff as of yet. They still consume a lot of their media through DVDs, Blu-rays, and the like. So it may just be that New Japan maybe just kind of just to talk to somebody maybe on Roku's department there to try and figure out how to make the app more user-friendly for Western Hemisphere audiences, if that makes any sense. Well, I think also part of it, I think, I mean, the NGPW World's app on the Fire Stick is usually the one that locks up the worst of anybody. <laughs> I think they really need to have servers in America if they don't. Like, they, I, I think everything's still run from Japan. Gotcha. Like they, yeah. they need to have a. They need to have like a mirrored server uh, in America. Yeah. You know, I don't think they, it'd be a bad call at this point, especially if you're planning on more expansion-related type content down the line. Obviously, with the LA Dojo, with NJPW Strong becoming more of a staple in their Friday night programming for New Japan World, things like that. So, just something to consider. For oh, sure. hey. Yeah, and and hey, let's talk about some NJPW Strong, which we barely watch. I I can't remember the last time. I've admitted we I've admittedly been trying to catch it more and more over the past couple of weeks. As and, and honestly, what would that be? This, what would that be? Honestly, Chris? there's two reasons for that. The first one, for me personally, Chris Dickinson has been a guy I've followed in the independence for a while, and I've enjoyed his work considerably. So to see him in New Japan in some capacity now with being featured in Strong as part of Team Filthy is just wonderful. And I, once the borders open up a little bit more and the pandemic is more con, uh, has been mostly contained, if not completely contained, I want to see him go to Japan and just duke it out with a lot of the guys that are there. Because if there was a guy that I think was tailor-made for New Japan's current style, Chris Dickinson is one of those guys, for sure. So keep that in mind. And then the other thing is... After a lot of months due to the pandemic and politics kind of holding things back, John Moxley versus Kent is finally happening, everybody. It, it is finally happening. happening. It is happening later this month on the 26th of February edition of NJPW Strong, their their new beginning USA show. Um, I regret to inform you, this match has already been taped. <laughs> This is a pre-taper. With the way they book stuff in advance, but it's fine. I'm still looking forward to it regardless. I think it's still going to be phenomenal that we're finally getting this match to happen and that there is build happening for it as well with Moxley showing up on NGPW Strong for the first time uh, pretty much in the show's history to kind of set that up and show that, yeah, it's going to be 
Moxley versus Kenta, regardless of where they have to do it. But then, uh, over the past couple weeks, this is where things get really interesting. Because it leads into some stuff we've been holding back from talking about because we wanted to cover all of the tour stuff first. Uh, but let's break down Castle Attack first before we get into that, just because okay. most of that card is already in place. Okay, let, yeah, let, let's talk some Castle Attack. Uh, that is the current tour that's uh, that's happening. We've already talked about that's a started, bunch. Yeah. It started today yeah, started, as, yeah, as we, as we this recording, yeah. as we speak. It, it started today uh, on Sunday, the, on Valentine's Day. And uh, yeah, it's going to be going through most of the month of the rest of the month of February. Um, there are some possibilities that three shows that were not even scheduled to be streamed, so we wouldn't be able to see them regardless. But they may not happen because of the earthquake that we mentioned at the top of the show, because there are shows in Iwate, Yamagata, and Fukushima. Mm-hmm. coming up this week uh depending on how things are those shows may get postponed or or just outright canceled because yeah, of, yeah. of of the earthquake something to consider uh the other big thing with that one quick note that we want to cover from the first road castle attack uh show too is just send our well wishes to uh young lion yuto nakashima who was to have his debut match against Yuya Uramura last night. Yes, our, uh, our, first, our, our first young lion in nearly three years, it turns out. I said two yeah, in the it, blog. It's more like three. It's three. But then about a minute into the match during just the chain grapple kind of reversal, kind of reversals, uh, unfortunately Nakashima gets his elbow dislocated like halfway through a set of holds there with Uramura, which is just really unfortunate because... He came out with this intensity and everything else, and just he looked like okay, we've got something. We look, it looks like we've got something here. And the aftermath with him still sort of getting in Uemura's face before being helped to the back too, like does to me, it's a good sign that he comes back stronger and ideally, you know, has a much better second match and going forward that he kind of advances in the system. But it just sucks to see that happen right off the bat. when When last I looked. He's still on the schedule for the, for these upcoming shows. Of course, you know the card is scheduled is subject to change. Let me see if maybe they pulled him yet. No, they still haven't pulled him off the schedule. I, I'm looking at the website now. Maybe it's not as bad as they thought. Or no, they, they actually have, nope. They have the news. Uh, all over on NJPW 1972, they do have a news saying that he's injured and to miss the remainder of the tour. Nope, so the changes are being made to the remaining cards accordingly. Okay, so all right. Well, there we go. Yep. So, yeah. It's it's unfortunate because like, that el- dislocated elbow looked nasty altogether. So I'm just hoping it's a speedy recovery for him and that we see him back uh, during the course of the year here. Well, I hope so because I, mean, I, I tell you, when I looked at him, it was like, boy, he looks like a, he looks like a hard boy. Mm-hmm. You, know, then, I, you know, even when you know the pick that was on – you know, the, the mm-hmm. Japanese NJPW site, the pick of him when he's walking off and he mm-hmm. has, you know, the, the ice bag on him, he just looks like, he just has this look on his face like, you know, you, you know that he's rolled 
Shinji in, in class two C for his lunch money before, you know? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Like he even like when he was walking to the ring, like sprinting to it, as young lions are customary to do. And he didn't hesitate to get on Uemura's face like during Uemura's introduction, like outright. Like he was not backing down from him. He, like, he might be a bit of a hard boy. Now, yeah, the 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 dislocating an elbow, ooh, that, that's not he, good. It did it did not look good. Uh on the stream as well when I was watching it yesterday. So just again, well wishes to him. Uh, as mentioned before, the first of the road to a castle attack shows has happened. You had United Empire and uh, Hontai tangling because as it turns out, Great Okan will be challenging Hiroshi Tanahashi for the never open way title at castle attack. Yes, he so, will. And, and about and, yeah. And, and, and other shows may have happened before this episode gets posted too, by the way. So, yeah, so just keep that in mind. Uh, we're just talking specifically for when we're recording this on uh, uh, February 14th. So, so um, you know, I, I think we, we've already mentioned, so Cody Ibushi will defend the Intercontinental title against Tetsuya Naido. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi will face off against El Fantasmo. Uh, that will be preceded on the last tour show with an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team defense in which uh, Ishimori and Fantasmo will defend against uh, Hiromu and Bushi. Mm -hmm. Which, you know what, that's something we, we neglected to mention. Bushi beating Master Wado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but, yeah. New Japan saying Bushi writes, but yeah, Wado, yeah, I think as you said, he's going to be a, a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And there's time with Watto to make things work. I mean, Kawato is not bad. I mean, he, no. he clearly can, you know, he clearly can hold up his end of a match. And I know a lot of people like to shit. Again, I know a lot of people like to shit on his excursion in CMLL. But again, most people's excursions are bad. Let's be honest. We've covered we've covered this at this point one too many times personally. Indeed. So it's like they don't get it. They don't get it. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, there is also, uh, you know, Tamatonga and Tangalo, the Gorillas of Destiny, go up against GYW, Goto and Yoshihashi. Yeah. Uh, for the, for the tag belts. Uh, and, uh, we also have a couple of, uh, singles grudge matches, as mentioned. Kazuchika Okada will take on Evil. Uh, Ishii will face and off Jay against White. Jay White. Jay White trying to conquer his nemesis. Probably just yeah. conven conveniently just in time for the New Japan Cup. Mm -hmm. And of course, like the night before, too, we also have to cover like some of the grudge matches where Yoshihashi and Tongaloa, Goto versus Tama Tonga. Uh, you have Toru Yano defending the provisional KOPW 2021 championship against Chase Owens. Which yeah, which, which is I, happening. Chase Owens wants to make that a, a, a Texas strap match, which kind of backfired yeah. on him today. Yeah, just ph phenomenal backfiring. Just like, again, uh, Toru Yano is a businessman. He he knows his way around these sorts of shady dealings. Um, also, again, uh, the other thing too, Ted Koji against uh, Cobb and Osprey of United Empire as well to cover on yeah, night two. Again, this feud with Ten Koji and the Empire has actually been has been legitimately amazing. Mm -hmm. It really has been, and there hasn't been any collar and elbow tie-ups in it. Which is good. Yeah, we, we are more than happy with that. When it's sort of when it's an outright grudge match type of thing, yeah, just 
pop them bows yeah, off the bat. Don't yeah, just, even go just, for the lockups. Kick, kick people's asses. You know that, that's all we ask. Pretty much the ju- just of it right there. Uh, but so I think that covers up Castle Attack. This will lead into the 49th anniversary show at Budokan. Yep. And that's a building we're going to be talking about here in a little while on March the 4th. And then that will lead immediately the next day into the New Japan Cup. So, but we'll, yes. we'll, 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 we'll get in another show before that. Yes. Like, New, yeah, New Japan Cup 2021 is happening. Sakura Genesis is coming in immediately after that with a four show road to tour before uh, Ryo Goku plays host to it on the 4th. So. So yeah, we'll definitely get in. Or on in, April fourth, rather, yeah. So yeah, so we'll we'll definitely have time to get into the New Japan Cup and the anniversary show before, uh, you know, in between uh, after the end of uh, Castle Attack. So, all right, shall we now get into the subject that I think everybody's waiting for us to get into? Sure. Yeah, because uh, we were sort of leading with that, talking about strong in particular, and again, it kind of all goes back to a certain extent to Moxley and Kenta. A main story being kind of the highlight of this. Now, uh, if you do listen to Boom Goes the Dynamite, which is done by my fellow co-hosts here, Jeffrey Russell and Paul Sebastian in the same fine network of podcasts that you're currently listening to, you have probably heard on a week-to-week basis about Impact showing their faces there as of late with Doc Gallows and uh, the Machine Gun Carl Anderson, former IWGP heavyweight tag champions, former Bullet Club members. You get that story. You've already heard the beats on that. But the New Japan side suddenly gets a lot more interesting with Moxley and Kenta being built for the 26th at New Beginning in the USA with two weeks ago. Uh, which would have been, in this case, date-wise, uh, just triple-checking my dates, would have been February 3rd. That's right. In the aftermath of a certain main event in which a mystery man suddenly attacks John Moxley uh, post-main event in AEW Dynamite, and it turns out to be none other than fucking Kenta himself, who proceeds to give Moxley a go-to-sleep, and uh, the forbidden door has been cracked open. We can at least say that at this point. Yes. Now I'm not sure about wide open yet or kick the door in kind of thing, but it's been cracked open at the very least with that notion. Now the the best part of this, of course, was you know on, on Twitter afterwards, uh, Kenny Omega chasing after Kenta, trying to be all friendly and say, "Oh yeah, Switchblade never told me to expect anyone." Yeah, that's because Switchblade had just buried your fucking ass. <laughs> earlier mm-hmm. that day in new japan yeah the pot shots have been coming from both sides of the fence on these uh which has been a fun a fun little thing to keep up with if you're looking through the post uh show interviews on both companies uh and kenta's shut the fuck up uh, to kenny omega alone just like okay this, oh god I was... this, this is gonna look red free in my head for a while at this point oh admit it we we we, we watched that bit on a loop over yeah <laughs> shut it, the it, fuck up. i'm not your friend i'm not your friend i'm just here to beat up john moxley and i'm just like yeah and, and, and i'll pull Kidani's trademarks too because, yes, also. because as we've discussed on Boom Goes to Dynamite, uh, it seemed like Impact and AEW were being very, very loose with uh, that Bullet Club trademark. Well, it turns out, <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there actually is a formal working agreement now between New Japan, Holy Wrestling, and as we learned late last night, 
with the revelation that Juice Robinson and David Finley will be heading into the Impact Zone, uh, Impact Wrestling again. It just makes me think, like, wow, they, they must have really hated Ring of Honor enough if they're willing to work with Impact one year later. You know, <laughs> okay, you know, I, I, I am all about talking about this because there, there, there are so many levels to this. Like, again, the fact that Ring of Honor guys are still appearing on NJPW Strong and they were in the Super J Cup, too. Yeah, so, definitely. Mm-hmm. But... You know, also, you know, let, lest we forget, it wasn't all that long ago. In fact, it was a, a, around a year ago in which we, we kept hearing a lot of, shall we say, kvetching from uh, certain members of the elite, i.e. Kenny Omega, Mac Jackson, and Nick Jackson about how, how, how awful New Japan were to them and they didn't give them the, the proper respect that they deserved when they were leaving and... And how Kenny Omega, he, he had his big plan to have like an 18-month title reign and finally give Naito his dome moment, which, oh, Jesus, if that had come to pass, I, I Chris, I think we, we might have just quit right then. This is true. We would have watched Naito win the title, but that's, there wouldn't be a podcast to talk about it afterwards yeah, just we, because we, the we, taste would still be too bitter. Yeah, it would be like, yep, yeah, we're done. <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore. But... Okay, so, but at the same time, it always seemed like there was always a non-zero chance that there was going to be a deal between New Japan and All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, which did, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm going to say that a lot of this seemed to be on, you know, there was a lot of speculation that Harold May was the stumbling block here. And And I do think that May specifically is part of the stumbling block, and also I kept hearing at some points initially when AEW was trying to negotiate sort of a working relationship that they were just sending like uh, another like vice president figure uh, to negotiations alongside the Young Bucks rather than Tony Khan himself being a part of those negotiations and that being May kind of taking that as like bad faith and just deciding to not do business, which it's it's conceivable, definitely. Well, okay, so, but let's be fair here. In February, in January and February of 2019, there was absolutely no guarantee that All Elite Wrestling was going to be anything other than a flash in the pan. Other yeah. than a flash in the pan, there were no guarantees at all. Let, let, and not to mention the fact there's also fair, the you know yeah there's also the time and investment on Kenny Omega as a big singles guy in New Japan the two years prior, and just oh wait, what the fuck? We got to replace you now? Really? You're just gonna? Do this same shit that Nakamura, Gowles, and Anderson did a couple of years ago. All right, fine, go. Uh, we'll figure something out then. Yeah, it's and not it, the first time we've been through this before. Right, kind of exactly. And you know, you know, again, can you blame Harold May for maybe not wanting to jump right in? I can't. not really. No, I can't. I've, I think there was the right amount of hesitation uh, on both parts. Honestly, for both parties, I think there was the right amount of hesitation on making something like this work because it's not something that you can just cook up overnight. There's got to be logistics in place and just to make sure that everybody benefits rather than like the kind of symbiotic relationship that New Japan had with ROH at one point where ROH has been a shell of its former self and now are only starting to recover slightly because they decided to focus on their business in-house rather than 
you know, putting over everybody from New Japan that came out at the expense of their own guys. Right. And, and, you know, to be fair, let's face it, though. I mean, what did Ring of Honor really have to offer? Because because anybody, I mean, when you look at the stars that they had at the beginning of this relationship with New Japan and they they frittered a lot of them away, mm-hmm. you know, uh, specifically ACH. Specifically, you know, Adam Cole and the like, you know, Red punish, Dragon. Punish, yeah, I mean, there's also that. There's Punishment Martinez to a certain extent that they didn't do a whole lot with. They had guys like Leo Rush and Keith Lee on their roster at one point, and they did nothing with them. So yeah. it just goes to show you. Uh, I mean, let's face it. The, the excursionees that went over there, did – I mean, did, did Takahaki Watanabe – Show Tanaka and Yohei Komatsu, w- w- did the excursion prep them to to be stars as Evil Show and Yo respectively, or was it be in spite of their their excursions to to Ring of Honor? It was just it, those were normal excursions. They just got experience in a completely different company with different kinds of opponents and such, and then they just kind of turned up the gears when they got back from excursion. So it it was normal, but nothing to specific to write home about it's not like roh elevated those names further enough to make them what they are now today yeah and and we can get into a few other issues with roh too but the fact of the matter is i mean the fact of the matter is we don't know what the state of that relationship is because even as you said they they focus on their in-house product but even then during lockdown rocker romero and david finley were working the pure tournament yeah, this is true. They were part of that. They've also had Ray Horace working Super Jacob, and he's a signed guy with ROH at this yeah, point. Yeah, Ray, Ho- yeah, so. Ray, yeah, Ray Horus has also been on featured on NJPW Strong recently, too. So yeah, the relationship is there is just seems to be very strictly between New Japan of America, the New Japan of America branch and ROH itself, which, you know, it's fine for what it is, especially with a pandemic right now. Yeah. Whether this gets expanded any further once borders are more open and the pandemic is contained, it's very much a wait-and-see approach. Right. But, but just I, to focus back on the AEW side of the right. fence now. Well, I, I, um, again, I, I'm just going to reiterate that, again, back in January 2019, there were no guarantees that AEW was sustainable. And let's face it, there are no guarantees now. There are no guarantees on this. Right now, AEW is very successful. They overall have a pretty good product. I mean, obviously, I do a week, you know, as you alluded, I do a weekly Boom Goes a Dynamite podcast on this network, you know, reviewing that week's Dynamite. But you know what? As I've mentioned, so was WCW from 1996 and 99, and we all know how that turned out. Mm hmm. It's just one of the circumstances you just never know, so you just have to approach things very carefully in that regard. And that's why I feel that rather than saying, oh, hey, the forbidden door has been completely wide open, I kind of agree with Tomatonga's take on that in his most recent Thomas Island uh, podcast feed where he mentioned that it's not that the door is wide open, it's just cracked open. You're just, both parties are just looking through the other side through like whatever crack there is in it and just saying, hey, what do you want? And then just figuring that conversation out from there. Now, Moxley being able to flow between both companies, 
makes sense because of the type of contract that he's had, much like what Chris Jericho's had in his deal that originally allowed him to do New Japan and uh, AEW dates initially, when that was just been barely starting. Kenta, I do think, has the open field to work this deal out because obviously the U.S. title is with Moxley right now, and they've got a you and they've done that smartly by using the Dynamite shows the past two weeks to help build that match for New Japan as well. Yeah, in mind. It, it, very it was, fun tag match that just happened this past week in Dynamite. Yeah, as well, I, I already between. went out about it at length on Boom Goes the Dynamite, but yeah, that was that was a that was a fun fun match. Now. The thing that gets me, uh, of course, there's a couple other things here. The part with Impact baffles me uh, on a few levels. Now, it, on the one hand, it does make sense because AEW is already working with Impact. So, yeah, this is going to be a natural byproduct of this. But mm-hmm. given the history with New Japan and, and, and Impact and TNA before it, and, I mean, it, it, let's face it, it, it this goes... From you know, from you know, Kazuchika Okada being stuck with Okado, and Jeff Hardy being cruelly out of his mind on dope and speed or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> in, in whatever, that match at, at whatever Russell drugs, five. Yeah, whatever drugs Jeff Hardy was doing at yeah. the time. And then, I'd rather not know, but <laughs> right, but uh, but you know, when you also recall that Anthem, you know, the Impact's owners, Anthem Sports and Entertainment legitimately bought access TV and fight network off of Mark Cuban. So they could put their show on TV for, for the express purpose of putting impact onto TV and therefore ended their contracts, not just with new Japan pro wrestling, but also with, uh, with wow. Remember women of wrestling? Yes. The women's promotion, they cut them off. Yeah. And then that, that took, you know, New Japan off American TV until, you know, just this week with the Roku deal. Yeah. And the other thing that comes to mind on that, because I was thinking about it too initially as to why Impact in New Japan would do any sort of preliminary business. And I think there's two factors to that. First one, again, it does tie in with May leading the reins to the new CEO, whose name, unfortunately, I don't recall. Thank you very much. He's the new president. Yes, the new president. And there was a really interesting interview with him on Pro Wrestling Illustrated as well that got published a couple of weeks back where he yeah, talked I, I didn't buy a lot that about in, this. I didn't buy that interview. So. <laughs> Fair. But the other thing that comes to mind as well, outside of just the new president possibly being willing to do more international business, is also that I do think that regardless of circumstances in the past, I do think that the New Japan office has a good relationship with Don Callis. And Callis being sort of like a mediator between the two probably helps matters a lot more than just Anthem themselves coming to the table and trying to do that. So. I mean, that, that, that is not without the realm of possibility. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I guess maybe the fact that they actually went to Japan to try to, you know, to, you know, smooth things over. But even so, I mean... I guess we could see that that door was sort of opening too when you know Chris Bay was part of Super Jacob 2020. Also, that yeah, I do agree with that as well. A lot of it is very tentative and just little pieces being laid out here and there. I do think that if it does become a full blown open partnership, that there will be announcements about it. That Tony Khan uh, and uh, 
New, the New Japan office and just all of these different companies will make like formal announcements regarding it as such because it will be a big enough deal to where it's going to like grab certain headlines and the likes. Right, so I, but I mean, feel that if something like that comes, now, we'll know about it. But until then, it's a lot of hearsay. Right. But personally, to me, I mean, I, I don't care about New Japan and Impact. I mean, yeah, it's fine. It, it, it's great that Juice and, and Finley get to, you know, do something. But. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, again, I, I I think I've made it pretty clear. I've never been a fan of TNA or Impact, and beyond Guns and Gallows being able to work New Japan again, I really don't see the benefit for for New Japan to this deal. I really don't. I think most of it would be probably an extra body or two for any future Best of Super Junior Cups or Junior Tags and stuff like that. Because as mentioned, Chris Bay is on their roster. Uh, they do still have uh, Chris Saban there full-time, Alex Shelley part-time, depending on how his actual real-life job allows him to do dates and stuff like that. I mean, there's some guys over in Impact that are very talented. There is like Eaton Page and Josh Alexander there as the North who could come in and really be a fun team in like a world tag league down the line if that's the route that they go. So possibilities are there, but... Until we know 100% for sure that it is a full-blown working agreement, it's a lot of just hearsay and speculation. Well, right, point. but here's one that I haven't really seen too much talk about. I think this one really is relevant to this discussion, too, is that a lot of people have been saying, ha-ha, yeah, ROH has been kicked to the fucking curb. Uh, what about CMLL? And the reason why I bring that up is because both AEW and Impact work with AAA, you know, CML's biggest competitor in, in Mexico. And those two companies hate each other they, on top of the two. They will undercut they. one another at any given turn I mean, whatsoever. We don't have Cubs here to, we don't have Cubs fan here to, to, to talk, you know, Lucha politics, but uh, let me tell you, Lucha politics is, ooh boy. <laughs> It, At some point or another, somebody will make a Netflix show just based on something like that, and it'll be like a huge hit just based on the amount of fuckery that these guys do to one another. The, I mean, as both you and I know from from firsthand experience, CMLL thinks nothing of pulling wrestlers if AAA guys are even on the same card. Not even if they're in the same match. If they're on mm-hmm. the same show, they will pull wrestlers. Yes, very much so. So I, I don't see how this will benefit New Japan's relationship with CMLL, especially since, you know, again, Fantastica Mania, very popular tour, not just with the crowds, but also with the CMLL workers because they, they get to make a ton of money from it. Yeah, between between that and just, I think Fantastica Mania is a beloved tour, but I think just about all parties involved or otherwise it wouldn't happen with the consistency that it had up yeah. until the pandemic kind of struck that down. Right. So it is very curious if it's if there is that working relationship between the North American company side of the fence, if that's a situation where they realize the tensions in Mexico and go, okay, uh, if we're booking any CMLL guys or any AAA guys, we'll make sure that it's never in a situation where one guy from this roster and one guy from that roster are on the same show at the risk of them getting pulled. Kind right. Of thing. Well, I mean, that's gonna, well, that's gonna take it away. Any best of super junior or anything like that. 
Yeah, this is true. So I mean, it's just you have to walk on eggshells. Yeah, you, with have, that. you have to walk on eggshells because what, what's more important? What, what's more important? Uh, maintaining a relationship with somebody, or you know, Eho Del Vikingo being on the best of Super Juniors. You know, it, 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 I mean, you have to weigh that out. Now, I remember we, we had a similar discussion when Dragon Lee got fired by CMLL and New Japan went and signed him anyway. True. But, so... but it, 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 more to the point is that in, in New Japan's relationships with CM, both CMLL and Ring of Honor, New Japan pretty much hold all the leverage. Yeah, this is true. So... Um, now, I, I would absolutely believe that to be the case with Impact. I'm not entirely sure if that's the case with AEW, and the reason why I think that is because New Japan were kind, of, you know, kind of stuck because hey, an AEW contracted wrestler has one of our titles, and you know, this pandemic has really kind of fucked that up. Yeah, and that's why I think this specifically, it's why Kenta is being given free reign, is that they at least worked something out with Tony Khan to let Kenta show up for build-up purposes for this eventual title match between him and Moxley. And I do think that with the match that's already probably in the can for new beginning in USA, that Kenta wins the title that's already secured and taken care of. And then they can reevaluate the relationship from there, depending on how it goes. But boy, wasn't that cool if shooter showed up in, in, in AEW to save Moxley. It'd be, it'd be great. And if anything, like, and, I would and, love and, to and, see and he, and he shows up with, with the death rider music too. So mm-hmm. we can get that back. That in the jacket, it would be great. Also, the other thing that I will say, too, and that's something that's a little bit forgotten. Let's remember the guy who originated this phrase. It's not Tony Khan. It's not anybody in AEW. It's Hiroshi Tanahashi who brought that up in the first place. That's true. With Chris Jericho like playing into that even further when their encounter at Wrestle Kingdom happened two years ago. So if anybody deserves oh, to go through year. that crack uh, it, it, on the... It, it was last year, actually, but yeah. yeah thank <laughs> it, you. It yeah. feels Just like two again. years ago. But... T- time is a flat circle. There we go. Um, <laughs> it's very much a situation where if anybody deserves to get a peek through that forbidden door and go through it, even if it's just for a night on a Dynamite show, it would be Hiroshi Tanahashi. Well, like, I mean, he's already appeared. That. I mean, he's already appeared on Dynamite in a, in a video message. Exactly, yeah. So just let let him through. Now, from what I understand, you know, Dave Meltzer claims that Kazuchika Okada is going to be the guy that will end up going into AEW and Impact from New Japan. I'm just going to throw this out there. If anybody from All Elite Wrestling is listening to this, which is, as far as I'm concerned, y'all owe me a match from All In that didn't happen. (laughs) So I I, uh, I, I I want my Okada versus Penta El Cerro Miedo match. God damn it, you cowards! <laughs> it's like it, it's like that that was right there for the Metal All In all those years ago. You have a chance to do it again once Penta's recovered from that. That that was the difference. Yes, that was the difference between me going to All In and me not going to All In. And I even live in the town now again because yeah, I actually so, grew up, I grew up in the town. So that, that was the difference. <laughs> One of those things. If y'all and, had booked that match, I would have. My ass would have been back in Hoffman Estates. Look, that. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pitch this to Tony Khan in case he decides to somehow peruse random people's podcasts involving AW related content at any given point. It's gonna make this simple. You have Miro and Kip Sabian being little shits to two of my favorite boys and Chuck and Trent, the best friends, and by default Orange Cassidy with that as well. 
if at some point or another you don't have the coin drop and have Okada just beat the ever-living stuffing out of Kip and Miro for messing with his two best friends of chaos, Chuck and Trent, uh, or Dustin and Greg even, just we're going to have problems. <laughs> if this is going to be a full-blown relationship that you're going to have and it's going to be official at some point, Okada has to reunite with his old bu- old buddies, Dustin and Greg. Well, that's fine. Like, and, you know, we, we can, we can dub that, dovetail that into, uh, you know, Chaos versus El Triangulo de la Muerte feud, too, to, to, to build to the Okada versus Pentagon match. There you go. There we go. We're, 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 we're about that life, so. Oh my goodness! We, we, we but I mean, we, all the talk, yeah, all the talk of forbidden doors and uh, Kaito Kiyomiya still gets left on red by Kazuchika Okada every time that he tries to text him, which is just not fair at you know, this point. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I mean, can, Okada better be paying attention to that because you know if he can get you know representatives from Noah and All Japan in for that summit show. Especially with the looming threat of the Olympics getting canceled more and more, kind of on the horizon now too, like for yeah. sure. Well, canceled. I don't know. I don't know about that because I know that the the, the government is hell bent on those Olympics happening. This is true. Yeah, David must have hell on it. But but as we also know, the the governor, the the government in Japan is you know kind of shitty. Actually, uh, it turns out. Um, yeah. And but um. So we, we we spent a lot of time talking other companies. We're gonna spend some more time talking other companies now too. There was some inter- there was some interesting stuff that happened over the course of this weekend that does relate well, to a certain extent right. as well. Well, actually, well, let's talk. Uh, let's go back a little bit further to a week and a half ago. Um, there was a lot of New Japan involvement in a in a giant Baba Memorial show that happened at Tokyo Corican Hall. True. Um, and, and I'll just read out a lot the list of names that that was involved in this. Uh, we're talking uh, Satoshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tenzan, Yuji Nagata, Minoru Suzuki, Bushi, and uh, Tomaki Hanma, all being part of uh, this this All Japan, uh, you know, this this uh, Giant Baba tribute show. Now, the thing that gets me is that. I can count on one hand the the number of wrestlers on this show that actually worked all Japan in the in the Baba era. You know? Yeah. It like I understand that retirements and and, and and age are a thing, but it's like most of the guys who who are are, are, are supposedly representing all Japan on this show came after Baba. Like Keiji Muto, Suwama, uh, Kaz Hayashi, Atsuki Aoyagi, you know. Different, a lot of aspects there for like, sure. The, like the guys who were actually there, I guess are still active. Atsushi Onita, Great Kojika, <laughs> uh, Masanobu Fuchi, Shiro Tsuyoshi Kikuchi and Takaoma. Okay, so uh, uh, so I hand in one finger. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I I don't th- think any of these matches have made New Japan World yet. But it, it just seemed like, first of all, they they miscounted the anniversary because they said it was his twenty third death anniversary when he only died in in nineteen ninety nine. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, oops. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Pieces. Whoop. <laughs> but also, um, the other thing is that the, the, the crowd being as small as it was because of the pandemic, as well as being limited to five matches, I, I just don't know if this was a good tribute for Giant Baba. You know, this, this is really the, the tribute that Baba would want. Circumstances, yeah. unfortunately, with the world yeah. and the like, so it's... Right. But hey, Genichiro Tenru was there, so, you know. Good stuff. Old man, old man Tenru. Good yeah, times. Good, good, good times. Good times. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, Tenru, the guy who Baba banned for life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so, we, we mentioned Keiji Muto. We did. Uh, on Friday, Keiji Muto joined an exclusive club of now three members. Because Keiji Muto challenged Go Shiozaki in Pro Wrestling Noah for Noah's big uh, Return to Budokan show. Mm-hmm. And he challenged for the GHC heavyweight title, which he goddamn won with a goddamn Frankensteiner. True. Um, e- ending Shiozaki's epic GHC run that began actually on Wrestle Kingdom 14 day, if you recall. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, now I am really of two minds about this. <laughs> um, as you know, Keiji Moto is my favorite wrestler of all time. And I think I've made that abundantly clear on this show many, many times. Quite so. Yes. So the, the, the fanboy in me is, is happy that he's now joined Kensuke Sasaki and Yoshihiro Takeyama as the, being one of the only three wrestlers to have held, the GHC heavyweight title, the IWGP heavyweight title, and the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations. That is an excellent milestone. I also think that a 58-year-old man with two replaced knees maybe shouldn't be the guy that you're trying to push <laughs> to, to bring your company to new heights. Perhaps. You know. You know, and... You know, I understand that this could be, but I mean, this was like a, a big moment for Noah. You know, they even re rebranded. They have another new logo. Yes, that, uh, look, sort of like hockey esque looking logo that they have, but they brought the green back. So yeah, which I, I have to say, the more I looked at it, the more it was ex- I, I was exposed to it. Watching the match, I was like, yeah, you know, it, it's it's not bad, I guess. It's just not great, and you know, just one of those things. I still. It's weird enough for me to think about it, but after seeing like the former logo enough, I do think that it would be fine. I would just make that red, the red O portion, just the emerald green color that they've always had, and I think that would be yeah. at least a better accent. Like if they want to throw that into like once one of their like aprons on the side with that old logo, but just with the green portion instead of it being red, I think it would look fine. Right, but that's background. also but that's also the the logo of an old ownership too. So I True. can kind of understand why they're why Cyber Agent would do that, but you know, it, it also begs the question that if this were not in the peak pandemic where we have limited crowds, I wonder if they even could have run this show, because I don't think yeah. Pro Wrestling Noah would fill a sixteen thousand seat Budokan. No, not at the moment. Like 
I think they would have tried it, but they would have probably gotten a similar audience to what they got with the pandemic here at most. Yeah, so, so I, I think, you know, that, that it, it was, it, yeah, it, you know what? It was kind of sneaky, you know? <laughs> True, but you know what? Good for them for at least taking advantage, like uh, making something good out of a really bad situation with the pandemic. Right. But put, putting this together the way that they did. But you know, I also really question. I mean, so it seems like yeah, they're 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 trying to definitely rebrand now because they have a new logo and a new ring design at that. Because um, now the the ring canvas is still white again, but now there's a green border on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, and it's got definitely that cyber agent like DDT sort of influence into it as to what they've done with their own mats and the like. So right, but at the same time, you know, last night we find out Junakiyama won DDT's KOD Openweight title. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyber Agent seems to love their 50-plus-year-old wrestlers <laughs> holding their titles. Yeah. It, it's just a very sort of bizarre take on it, but I think to me, as long as the reigns are transitional ones and you see younger guys like Kaido Kiyomiya, uh, Tetsuya Endo, uh, Takenosuke Konoshida, uh, just... In general, like as long as it doesn't drag on as a rank for like six plus months for both of these guys, I think I'll be okay. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, again, I could see Mudo kind of being the pop, though that you know he joined that that club of three because they even mentioned it during the the match. They even mentioned yeah the the IW his IWGP and Triple Crown ring. But and then you realize that there are five active wrestlers right now who could join this club, and most of it is on the back of if they were to ever win the IWGP title. And I think, listen about, Junakiyama's one of them, but since now he's working DDT, who knows if yeah, that's going to happen. Um, Minoru Suzuki, of course, in New Japan, but nowhere close to getting the IWGP title. At least not right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else do we say? Fuck. Down my... Oh, Go Shiozaki. Actually, if he were mm-hmm. to ever win the IWGP title, uh, Yuji Nagata just needs to win the GHC title. No, in this no, case. no, the triple. Oh, no, not the GHC. Sorry, the triple. The triple and Satoshi Kojima, if he ever won the GHC title. Okay, I had him reversed for yeah. some reason on my end. That's on me. So yeah, and I mean, only one of them is under forty. True. It being Shiozaki. And not by much either. He's getting close to that point. Yeah, he is. So, I mean, it, it, it's an accomplishment, but boy, isn't it accomplished? And, and, and you know, keep in mind, Mudo is the only one of the club who's still active because, of course, Kensuke Sasaki retired and Yoshihiro Takeyama. Well, yeah, we, we know what happened with him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, wrestling is just weird right now because, I mean, I, I mean, you. It seems to be a pattern because didn't Edge win the Royal Rumble? And yes. isn't he retired? He unretired at this point, but with Edge's situation it was more specifically that he broke his neck and doctors at the time a couple of years back were basically saying, Okay, we don't have the technology to really fix you at this point, and if you go out there and risk it one more time, you might actually die kind of situation. But with medicine and tech improving over the last decade, he redid the next surgery from the looks of it trained again and he's just pushing for like one last run where he can sort of go out on his own terms so this is part of that 
Right. It would have probably happened. It probably would have been a little more happening last year had he not gotten injured after his WrestleMania match. So it's sort of like it would have. We would have probably seen more of that last year had he not gotten injured, and now we're just sort of seeing some of that. Like, I guess whatever they do with him this year is going to be that swan song kind of right. run. It just seems like a weird zeitgeist right now that we're. We're we're going back to these older wrestlers. I mean, Edge, Keiji Muto, Junakiyama. It's a bizarre trend, and I don't think it's a trend that would work as well if not for a whole pandemic where you don't have crowd reactions to deal with, personally. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. But also, you know, the inability of promotions to actually create new stars, too. There's also that, too, 100%. It's a problem all over wrestling. I mean... I mean, I think a lot of times, like, you know, New Japan, I think they got extremely lucky with Naito, mm-hmm. you know, but, and, and Jay for that matter. I mean, Kota already came in with a built-in audience from DDT. Yeah. You know? So I think, I mean, sometimes a lot of, of, of making new stars, a lot of, uh, a lot of accident, you know, happy accidents too. That, that I don't, that I don't think it ever get, really gets talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, the big thing to keep in mind for those Noah fans and DDT fans is that there is a press conference happening at uh, 1500 hours in Japan, so 3 p.m. their time, where they're going to be. Uh, it's a joint conference between DDT and Noah, so probably any more announcements involving those two, uh, that's there for you if you want to listen to that kind of right. thing. Although, well, well, by the time this gets posted, it'll be long done. So, yeah, it'll anyway. be done by the time it gets posted. So, yeah, because, yeah, I'm not putting. <laughs> uh, I have one last thing to, to complain about, and that is, did you see the news item that pending health department approval, they could start allowing fans back into venues in the state of New York, including Madison Square Garden, at 10% capacity? Oh, you know James Dolan's bitch ass is going to push for that hard, because he wants that money out of his Rangers and Knicks games and Wrestling dates are those decide to be held over there. Yeah. Um, do not be surprised if we start hearing talk about Wrestle Dynasty. Yeah, I won't be. Yeah. Fingers crossed that it doesn't, but I won't be surprised if it does. Yeah, don't be surprised. I, I don't... Yeah, I, You know what? Even though I am fully vaccinated, I don't know if I would be going to Wrestle Dynasty at this point. You know? Yeah, I... Uh, by no way, shape, or form would I, am I going into anything until we've actually contained this entire yeah. friggin' pandemic. I mean, again, I, I've been fully vaccinated, and I still act as if, you know, <laughs> I, I wear gloves to the store and, and, and at work if I'm touching people's, you know, computers. No, that's fair, because it's, it's very much a situation where the virus has not been contained. Even if people are starting to get the vaccines now, which is a good thing, that hasn't rolled out for everybody yet. It's only a very small percentage at the time. So being careful and being considerate of others is not a bad thing, no matter what kind of dipshit tries to tell you otherwise. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really hope that they don't run Russell Dynasty this year. You know, I, I really hope it doesn't happen. If it does, I mean, do you think 10% capacity is going to be worth it for New Japan to run to bring guys over? I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's 
I think it's something better waited on until 2022, if at that point we've ideally contained everything we need to contain with this pandemic, just to run it. Because I don't think, unless you can fill out Madison Square Garden the same way you did the first time, I think there's no point in no, doing it. I mean, I still question whether or not they actually should still be running with crowds in in Japan, because, I mean, New Japan has done a very good job with it, but... From how it looked on the video I was watching of that Noah show, there did not seem to be a lot of distancing at Budokan. Yeah, between between that and then obviously the uh, curfews that they've imposed now in various prefectures at this point. Well, yeah, yeah that's the other thing. We, we haven't even touched on that. The state of emergency has been extended, and it's even into Osaka where, oh, hey, guess what? New Japan are running two major shows at the end of February. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that they've, it seems the Japanese government finally approved the Pfizer, Phil, uh, I believe it was the that vaccine, that brand of the vaccination oh, the, to start the Pfizer, one? the Pfizer one. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for that's how he said. Okay. Thank yeah. you. But yeah, no, they seem to have approved it, so they are going to start rolling that out, which is good for Japan, good for them in that regard. But yeah, just be careful. Still, like, try to be as careful as you can be at this point. Yeah, you know, ideally. It, I I got shown a pick. The other day by my honey, and it blew my mind that I received the vaccine before uh, Neil Tennant of the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. That, that's, that blows my fucking mind. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, again, I, I, I count myself very lucky and privileged for how things have turned out for myself and my family during this pandemic. Definitely. We, we have definitely been some of the luckiest ones, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a situation on my end of the spectrum where I'm at, too, with myself and my family, where we've been very lucky and very privileged in regards of not having a, kind of the level of exposure that some other places have had to COVID. And, you know, we're still being careful about it. We're still wearing masks and just for me as an introvert, this whole concept of just staying up six feet back from everybody is something I already practice enough as it is. So I'm just glad I now have on top of it. It's just like, that's just another reason to bro, do bro, that bro, going forward. Brother, I've, I've been to wrestling shows with you. You, you do not seem very interested. <laughs> Around the people that I like, I'm fine. I can be a little more outgoing and stuff, but around strangers, eh, your mileage may vary. Well, I don't know. Let, I, I, let, we, let's we, remember we, you we, had to be. Let's remember you had to drag me during our time in Long Beach to go get drinks at one point. I had to drag you. I thought you were all for that. Now, now the truth. Now the truth comes out. <laughs> I was somewhat hesitant. I will admit that. Oh, okay. This is the first I'm no, I'm hearing about this. But eventually it was a situation of like, well, we are out of town at this point. It'd be a waste to just stay at the hotel. So, yeah, sure. Why not? Hotel, quote unquote. Quote unquote. (laughs) The corporate apartment. Corporate apartment. Yeah, the the totally not illegal Airbnb that we were in. Yeah. But I think this is about all of the sort of news from all over the place that we've had at this point. It's just a matter of letting Castle Attack play itself out and then coming back to you at that point. Yeah, and then seeing how far this AEW and New Japan relationship goes. So, you know, I'm uh, you'll probably get more up to date. You know, uh, audio verbiage from me about that on Boom Goes a Dynamite because we do that weekly, but also, you know, you can follow me on the blog, too. Which is at strongstylesword.tumblr.com, by the way. 
Very much so. Uh, and I, I think this is as good of a time for plugs as any, I let's, would say. Let's do it here. Yeah, Goris, go ahead. So simple enough for me. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Brazilian Fury. That's Brazilian with an S instead of a Z. You can also find my other podcast, Sounds on Sticks. Uh, soundtrack, excuse me. Soundtracks on the Sticks is the name. Sounds on Sticks is the Twitter handle. Uh, we finally lined up the schedule at this point to do our next episode in the next oncoming days. Get that recorded edited so it's a huge weight off my shoulders because i've been trying to organize that for a long just timing has not allowed that to happen so pretty stoked about that check us out later on this week uh once we post our new episode uh which i believe we're doing dance dance revolution as our uh, breakdown for that wow all right well you can find me at strong style story without the e in style on twitter uh my personal twitter at gd wessel two s's one l uh, as I just mentioned, the blog is at strongstylestory.humbler.com. Uh, the blog schedule is not going to be what it's been for the last year where I was, you know, able to get stuff up pretty much, you know, within a couple of hours of it happening because I am, you know, my, my, my day job has now forced me to go back in full time. So, uh, unfortunately, posts are going to be, you know, in, in the evening now once again for, for the duration. But, uh, you know... I'd rather be be accurate rather than, you know, up to the minute anyway, you know. Um, but that being said, uh, you can also hear me on Boom Goes the Dynamite weekly here on the PWOM Podcast Network. And I just released episode 51 of Busting Balls as well. So you can hear uh, myself and my co-host, John Arnold, preview the knockout stages of both the Champions and Europa Leagues if you're into that sort of thing. So, by the way, Chris, congratulations to your Palmeiras for winning Copa Libertadores. Thank you. We just sort of like fumbled the bag completely during the Club World Cup, but I'll take the Libertadores win, and you I really what? hope no. the guys build on that you, next year. You know what? Nobody gives a shit about the Club World Cup. It's, I mean, unless you win it, nobody gives a shit about it. <laughs> you know? This is true. That, this I, is pretty I, much I, true. I, that, that was what Arsene Menger called a Mickey Mouse tournament. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, if our son said it, you know he's kind of got a point. (laughs) He's he's got a point, yeah. Well, he he also said, you know, the the, the context of that, though, is that he said it in the – he said it in the context to stick it to Alex Ferguson because he pulled Man U from the FA Cup that year to go compete in the Club World Cup. Yeah. It's just one of those circumstances where I still am very much – in the line that prefers uh, the old Intercontinental Cup format that had the winners of the Champions League against the winners of the Libertadores in Japan, just duking it out. For I remember the, that, yeah. The Continental team. Like, I like that format a whole lot better than I do the FIFA World Club World Cup, but it is what it is in these times. So oh, I, I still miss the, 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 the Cup Winners' Cup. Mm-hmm. I miss that old competition. But also anyway. fair assessment. So, but we're, yeah, anyway, thanks we're, for sticking we're way with us, off, everybody. We're way off topic now. So. Yeah. Uh, Chris, do you have any final words? No, I don't. Uh, thanks for listening as per usual, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll, we should be back in a couple of weeks uh, in between the end of Castle Attack and before uh, the anniversary show and the New Japan Cup. So until then, take care. Uh, goodbye.